What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really pleased to be here with you for episode number 14. So this is another bonus episode that comes to you in March. So it's just a continuation of the conversation I was having with my husband, Yuri, in the last episode where we talked a little bit about chronic pain, its impact on relationships and a lot about Yuri as a paramedic and how challenging it can be for him when he sees people who clearly have some mind-body things going on and not really being able to uh, properly address it with them because of the paradigm um, currently in the medical system. Uh, So in this episode... We kind of continue that conversation and talk a little bit more about what relationships are like after mind-body healing and how kind of undergoing this work can really improve things and the, yeah, the, the strength and the relationships that are possible, the things that this, this sort of work opens you up for. Before then, I thought I would give a brief update So I did record these episodes, I think it was way back in December and in the last episode we sort of talk about how I was pregnant um, and due in January. So we have since had our baby, a little baby boy Um, and boy oh boy has it been an absolutely wild ride. He is now about two and a half weeks old so we did I was went very overdue with him, had him at almost 42 weeks pregnant, uh, which was quite challenging for me. Um, and kind of the, the emotional impact of it all has been way more than I was expecting. Super intense. The whole uh, birthing process, I guess, really cracked me open, revealed some more hidden layers of things that I need to process and deal with. The And it's reopened some of my old attachment wounds, um, but I'm super glad that I have the self-awareness now to be able to deal with and manage some of these things. Around about the week one mark, I did have some, you know, I've had some prickles in my face, TMS-y kind of stuff. I suppose the sleep deprivation doesn't help with that. Uh, but yeah it's been really good Um, I've had to make sure I find my 10 minutes a day to do some meditating keep doing my deep breathing to keep doing all that nervous system regulation and to really make sure that I'm opening up and communicating super well with Yuri about how I'm feeling about things and when I do that it gets easier and better for sure Um, but Bob is really healthy and happy um yeah and now things are settling down now emotionally for me uh, yeah as I said it's way more intense I think than anyone gives it credit to but 
uh, in some ways really, really beautiful and amazing and special and all of those things too, of course. Um, but this has been the first time I've had a little while to myself. So Yuri's got Bub having a having a day sleep at the moment and I've snuck off to have a little bit of me time. But hopefully as time goes on, we get a little bit more settled. I might be able to talk about some of these things in a little bit more detail um, because I think parenting in general can be really triggering of TMS for many people, but particularly, obviously, um, growing a child, giving birth to a child, and then all the things that come along with that can be triggering for for women as well, particularly. Um, but anyway, on to this episode I've got. I hope you get something out of it. I think maybe we probably should have wrapped it up a little early. The end bit kind of drags on a little. Uh, it was really late at night when we recorded this and I was, you know, pretty pregnant. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, hope you get something out of it and enjoy and I will... See you again next episode. But as always, I'll play my disclaimer for you first because it is really, really important that before you do any of the mind-body work that you go and get checked out by your doctor, you always need to make sure that there isn't something else going on first. I am a provisional psychologist with my PhD or my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. So all of the content that I provide about mind-body healing in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast and my social media channels, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey until you have the clearance from your healthcare pr- practitioner to do so, until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case. The methods discussed by guests on the show are not necessarily because of problem x you know like i i know what they need but like I, you know they'll just have the short term for now they'll go to hospital they'll get dosed up on whatever they'll feel better they'll go home and then you know the problem will stay the same or like someone will be like i can't walk on my knee because my knee's really bad and the doctor said i need a replacement or i asked them well how long has it been a problem for us like oh like the last six months and i'm like What's happened in the last 12 months? Oh, and then they'll be like, oh, my daughter's going through a legal battle for X, Y, and Z, and it's been going on for so long, and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, and I'm like, do you want to just like wait till that legal battle stuff is finished before you make a decision on your knee replacement? And they're like, oh no, no, I have to get it done. It's, the doctor said it's bone on bone. I'm just like, okay. Like, like, you know, you, you try and plant the seed a little bit and be like, you know, 
it's you you clearly like got a connection there like you're under so much stress because your daughter's going through a legal battle and then you've then developed this symptom with your knee all of a sudden and it's staying at the same level of pain like like i guess just think about that for a second it's bone on bone and it's getting worse it wouldn't just all of a sudden start hurting and continue hurting at the same level and feel debilitating like overnight it's it's it would have progressed to that point for then the doctor to be like oh it's bone on bone and we need to do a replacement it's just kind of like something else is is causing this but it is hard to hear that and yeah i don't even know how i got to that point right now to talk i think about. you're really passionate about the people you see that are kind of getting advice and maybe misleading them well, like kind of knowing what you know, I think that's that's where you keep coming back to. I think that's your even with the organization I work for, they put on like a wellness event, and it's kind of like what they talked about in that is just about like you know what's good for us and like how to make our amygdala smaller so like that we can like not be reactive but like respond to things like um like by doing mindfulness and stuff like that. So like you get control of your nervous system back. Um and they talk about this in this because there's some people like, you know, there's an evidence is starting to come out for this that is starting to come out. And this is at an organizational level, like they talked about this stuff. And um it, but it's just like it just doesn't get through all the way. It's because we'll talk about it to a certain extent, and then we'll be like, oh, but yeah, there is all these other things as well. But it's just like there's there's always this like stop gap with it. Yeah, people don't go quite all the way to say, like, you know, that back pain is caused by, you know, what, what they all did, that. What they did say in wellness was just, like, back pain one, for example, was just, like, um, you can have whole population scan to their backs and for some reason some people with problem X, whether it's degenerated discs or whatever, will have back pain. But then you'll get, like, the majority of people who have degenerated discs have no pain at all. But there's what's the difference between them? Yeah, but then we people go in with back pain, they'll get scanned. The scan says you have degenerated discs, it must be that. So let's do a surgery or an intervention on that. And then by the time you get to the surgeon, is the surgeon going to say, let's not do surgery? No, the surgeon's going to get paid because they're a surgeon and they, it's the only way they get paid is by doing the surgery. So if you've gotten that far, you're probably just going to get the surgery anyway because um, you've been convinced that it's because of, cause of these, this, this problem and then this, and then you go down, 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 further and further and you get to a certain point and it's just like you do this intervention and lo and behold, there's no actual benefit from it because mm -hmm. like, most of the time there's no benefit from back surgeries. Doctor, and this come out in the, my organisation has said this. Like, yeah, Dr. So David Hanscom does a, does a really good summary of the lack of evidence for back surgery. And despite that, the rate of back surgery is increasing pretty much year on year, but there really isn't any evidence for so, the, in the vast majority of cases. There's a small number of people who might have very, very, very severe issues in their back. It's a very small number that back surgery actually, the evidence supports. Yeah. I guess that's what like surprised me is like this is something like you know at an organizational level like people actually start talking about these things and it's like 
it's not super like mainstream, but it came up in like a wellness event. Like how can we be better at work and stuff like that? And this whole, the idea of like where pain comes from and the perception of it actually came up, but it comes up to an extent, like, you know, like it was, it was the back thing because there's so much evidence for that, but like, it's so much harder for like a lot more abstract things where like, you know, you can come up with a million different reasons why someone might have a migraine, whether like any of them are true or not. Or IBS or something like that. Or whatever it might be. Or anxiety and depression. But like, are, you, <laughs> but there's even research in the early, like it was like 1901, 1902. I can't remember the exact date. It was like a paper and they had like a few participants with migraines and, 100% of the participants got complete relief and got cured of their migraines with the correct psychological support. Like this knowledge exists. It's just like, it's it's not new. Like I'm talking like 1901, 1902, whatever it was. And this is more than a hundred years ago. Like we know, you know, and, and my organization now talking about like back problems, it's just like, it's not necessarily a structural thing. And you shouldn't just routinely scan backs just because like, and it comes back to what we said earlier, like unless you've actually like hurt yourself and like caused an actual injury and, and are in pain straight away, the pain you're experiencing most likely would be from another cause. And I'm not talking for like every single thing, like you can get kidney stones, right? And that can be very painful just how your appendix might burst or something like that like that could be very painful and you go septic or like you know an infection through your whole body um but i'm talking about your knee just niggles a little bit while you're walking but it's just out of nowhere like you haven't done it you haven't overused it you haven't like just run a marathon without preparing for it it's just kind of like it's just there and it's just kind of like well for me it was we were moving house and the stress of getting all that together, the loan and like money for everything to make it work and all that, like that was stressful. And my knee hurt so much, like not so much that I actually needed to take pain relief, but enough for me to notice it, that it was there and continue to be there like every minute of time I was awake while I had to walk on it. But it was, there was nothing wrong with my knee. I know there was nothing wrong with my knee. It's amazing how delicate we are, yet how resilient we are as well at the same time. I guess, well, actually wrong. The perception is that humans are super delicate. And I don't mean that we're not in a way go and do something super extreme and because if you hurt yourself, like, you'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, you'll be fine, but not to the same fine that you are right now. But I mean, like, we're quite resilient and adaptive and like, you know, there was a person apparently like really bad scoliosis you hear about, had so much pain and stuff. And is like you said, Shubna did just before. Yeah. That's who I heard that story from. And yeah, I think he had a patient and there was like, had like a massive. Spine was almost an S he said. Yeah. Like massive angles on the spine, spinal column. And it was just like, their pain completely went away just by doing, putting that work in to work through whatever it is they needed to yeah. from their So pulse. they still had the scoliosis, they still had the S-bent sign, but there was no pain associated with that. So it's just because you have, you know, these things in your body that may not be 100% correct. 
correct how they're supposed to be does not mean they have to be painful. Because <laughs> there's cases of you know extreme cases like that where the spine is like an S shape and it's not painful. So yeah, and but know, we'll go back to the yeah. topic of this podcast because we are. I was going to say like I know <laughs> it's so easy to get sidetracked, and I know this was meant to be about my journey with you, but like then all these things start coming up and I'm just like, oh, in this and that. So I did have questions at the end about how your perception has changed and what impact that has had on you. So I just see it everywhere now. That's my, that's the change in my perception. I see it everywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to be in that position now, isn't it? Like just, your paradigm has shifted. It's hard. And I think I've been able to steer some people in the right direction, but it's just like the careful way of talking to them because it's just, you like it comes back to you say the thing where it's like, Oh, you're just telling me it's all in my head. And I'm like, I'm not saying that. And like, you can you get to that point, you've lost, you've lost them. <laughs> but you get to another point where like you encourage them to get help for a certain problem that they might have, but not related to the problem that they're worried about. Then I guess that's kind of still steering them in the right direction because they've still got another problem that needs to be fixed. And you know, by chance, the, the 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 side problem that gets fixed might actually help their primary problem as well. Yeah, so by the side problem, you mean like something in their life or in their mental health? Yeah. So by fixing that, yeah. then that by chance. By chance might fix their like their migraine <laughs> yeah. pain that they experience. Like if they deal with something that they haven't been dealing with. Mm-hmm. I think you're right there. Mm. All right. Okay. So back to the topic of the podcast. We'll see how long we can stay here before going sideways again. That's great. You're almost as you're like as passionate as I am. I see it fiery in your eyes, like me. It's great. Um. So back in that dark period for us, if you remember. Were you ever worried about what the future might hold for us? Did you think about leaving me? It's okay if you did. I didn't think, I didn't think about leaving you, no. I, um, I just didn't know where you were going to end up with your pain because it, like, clearly it was getting worse. Mm. It was getting worse for you. Like, it was getting harder for you. It, was, it looked debilitating and, yeah, like... Like where you are now compared to where you were, like if some of my best friends would look at you and be like, you're a totally different person to who you were. Like who you are now is is not who you were. And everyone just thought maybe it's just like you or like maybe yeah, <laughs> you're just a bit cranky or whatever. This is why I don't believe personality traits are fixed like they try to teach you in psychology because I used to be like extremely neurotic. And I think I'm far, they would tell you that your neuroticism is like a fixed trait and it's definitely not because I've moved a lot down that scale. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're a different person to who you are and a different in like good way, like in a way like you don't need any medicine, you don't need any, anything like any major interventions and like you fix all of these problems that seem like they would never go away. So I guess the future, what I was worried about most was just like, if it would ever go away and I it was the answer seemed so far away that 
It's just like, maybe you're just going to have to live with it. But obviously you don't because you're not living with it. <laughs> not like you were. Definitely, like not like you were. Yeah, that was an answer I was never going to accept. I think, which is why I ended up finding the mind body stuff, and because I wasn't living at all. I wasn't living. It wasn't life. I was so miserable. Every minute of every day was just excruciating. Well, it's good that it's not anymore. I wasn't sleeping either, like ever. Yeah, you can't function like that. This, that is your body telling you, you know, there's something wrong. You need to deal with it. Pain, pain's a warning. It's uh, like a warning yeah. light. It's a protection. Or like, you know, like feeling like garbage is like, oh, you know, it's a warning light. <laughs> you, know, you need to do something about it. You need to you deal with it in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, everyone's distracted all the time. You can't just sit without, you know, getting on the phone or having a telly on or something like that. Like, it's so hard to sit with ourselves. So why do we have these problems? Because, you know, something's wrong. I've been made to be angry or feel rotten and I haven't actually dealt with it or felt it properly and I've distracted myself and I've forgotten that I was even angry at it, but I've still, my body kind of remembers <laughs> because I felt it in my body, I just didn't give it, I wasn't mindful about it at the time. So then, you know, and then it sits there and then the next thing happens and the next thing and yeah, it's this pain or this rottenness like that we feel, it's, it's, it's a warning to be like, you know, you need to do something about this, you know? Mm, yeah, see yeah, our, our bodies are always on our side. You walk too much, like you're gonna get like a like a swollen ankle, like and it's like you can't walk on it anymore until it goes down and feels better, and then once once it's better, then go for it again. But like the problem is, we get better just enough that we can function, and we're like oh, this is great, and function, and then the next thing happens, and then the body's like, but hang on a second, take it back a step. I was gonna say the problem is though, if you walk too much, so you get a swollen ankle whatever yeah you sprain your ankle you need to rest you will rest but if you're sitting there in the office and your boss is screaming at you and you're getting a pain in the neck because you have neck pain and your brain is trying to get you out of there because you're in fight or flight mode and distressed you're not going to leave you're not going to rest the way you would with a sore ankle no like, you've got another eight hours of work to do yeah. so you're going to sit there and do the work and be upset and not be able to do anything about it I so said we live in a world where it's actually really, really hard to listen to our bodies. It's we're actually on our side and trying to well, protect us. Well, our brains through our bodies. Here's another example. If you if you ever see anyone who's in a car accident, they walk out of their car, but because that's such a high stress event, they drop so much adrenaline, they're going to be so shaky. And what can you do with that? Nothing, because there's nothing to run away from. The car accident is very quick, and it's happened, and it's over, and there's no one to fight, and you're just stuck with all of this stress in your body and you can't do anything but shake. I can't even remember what I was going to with that. But it's kind of like, yeah. I don't even know what I was going to with that. Mm. <laughs> I think I'm just tired. Yeah, it's getting late. What was the question? Um, what were you, what were you worried about the future? 
Yeah, no, I wasn't about that. Yeah, it's like stress that you have in your body and you've got not, you can't do anything about it. Like it just builds up and then you shake. And like shaking is the symptom of it. Or like if you've got all this like trauma, like mental trauma, um, psychological trauma, it builds up in your body and you've got and you don't do anything about it, like you don't fight or or run, like as if you were in this car accident. That's I think where I was going with it. You're in this car accident and you can't do the two things that you need to for all the adrenaline that you just dumped. Well, all this psychological trauma that you experience and then, yeah, again, it accumulates and if you don't let it out in a way that it needs to be let out, then what's going to happen is that it's just going to be there for the next time and you're going to shake. Like you're going you're gonna to feel the pain. The pain is the shaking from like the adrenaline in the car crash. Really bad analogy, but anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so we'll move on to the journey, my journey of, of healing. Um, so I think when I first started getting into this, like mind body stuff and listening to the books and the podcasts, it took me a while to sort of be sure of it. And I, it's one of those things, like, how do you explain it to people? Again, it was like when we met, it was like, how do I tell you I have chronic pain? And it was, similar I guess so do you kind of remember like when I was kind of starting it how you felt about it if you thought it was like silly or like I don't know when I tried to explain what what I was gonna do oh I don't think I ever thought it was silly I just I guess I didn't believe it completely like I was still very resistant like oh you got you got a migraine it's definitely you know it's gonna be a nerve thing or something like that like in your, in your head like I, it was it wasn't that I thought you were silly I just thought I let okay let's put it like this like um as a percentage I thought like you know oh yeah 20 percent would be like your mind body stuff like that's cool but like 70 percent of can like of that of people with that condition whether it's a migraine or lower back pain whatever it is um is like there's a reason for it there's mm-hmm. a there's a physiological reason why they have this problem and then over time that percentage has changed and I'm sitting more like 90% 90% people with a particular problem it's mind body based and 10% is like is a physiological reason it's almost like some things it's like I almost like wholeheartedly believe that there's no other reason than it's a mind body problem it's, things like fibromyalgia. Well, uh, like it sucks to say, but like a paramedic friend of mine, he'll like, uh, as a joke, if there's someone that's got like uh, an issue um, and it's not, it's like, it just doesn't seem to be like based on any physiological thing. He'll make the joke, oh, it's fibromyalgia um, or fibromyalgia. Now, just like, as in like, you know, I'm not sure if he understands or believes the mind body stuff. But he wouldn't if he's making that joke. That those are the sort of jokes that get might hit people offside and kind of make you feel like, oh, you're telling me I'm making it up. You're telling me I'm all in your head. Yeah. Those are the that's the sort of like which makes people really defensive. I think. But it's yeah, I guess yeah. Because if you've been in chronic pain long enough, you've heard those jokes made about you. You've heard people yeah say those it's, things it's about really you. It's really dismissive, or it's not in a helpful way, I guess. Um, but anyway. But as you were getting at, it's like fibromyalgia. There's no, that's the kind of goal, like 
that is your brain doing that because there's no reason for you to have pain in all those weird areas of your body for it to be moving around for it to or you it, know it's or, like 99 of cases or even like to have the pain in your face like they're like where is that coming from where where is that signal coming from your face isn't it hasn't been hit hasn't been burnt hasn't been scratched hasn't been punched hasn't been whatever but you've got all this like nerve pain in there mm. yeah, but your nerves are working perfectly everywhere else but like why have you got that here like where it's like it's not from your spine or anything like that because it's too high up like it's got to be coming from your brain yeah um because in the course because i just finished the um freedom from chronic pain course with power super nine one of the things he mentioned is trigeminal neuralgia is like TMS pretty much always. Yeah. And they do the same thing where they do the scan. And if you, because if you try to nerve other nerves in your face, and there's a similar issue with back pain, they'll scan you. And if you have a blood vessel pressing on your nerve, they'll tell you that's what it is. But like a lot of asymptomatic people have the blood vessel on the nerve. So, but it's like that's the only physiological explanation they've been able to come up with. So then they go and do the operations to get the nerve the blood vessel off the nerve and it's similarly very rarely <laughs> makes a difference and if it does it's placebo often and yeah anyway but the key giveaway for me was that it's on both sides of your face how could two nerves be affected it just doesn't make sense physiologically um yeah so it's definitely changed like i, I went from like yeah i didn't never thought it was stupid or anything like that but i just thought it can't be as as prevalent or as as far reaching as I believe it is now and I like the more like you read about it or think about it or just see people and kind of make those connections the more you're like yeah it's almost like it's almost a certainty that like this problem you're having is because of a mind body issue um whereas before that I'd be like oh there might be something but it I, I don't know like no one's going to find anything but like it's got to be something it's just something that we haven't techno technologically wise gotten to yet to figure out what this unknown thing is like you know explaining internet to someone in the middle ages is like you know there's this thing it's an internet it's just like yeah one day we'll find the internet of the problem mm -hmm. for your presentation um and i'm like we've, we've found it and we've and it's called mind body work yeah i guess mm, all right so you kind of changed into like you know seeing it as being a lot more conditions a lot more people a lot more you know that's how you feel about it now what about have you had any Oh, actually, do you have any advice, I guess, for people who are doing this work to explain it to their partners? It's hard on. Like, you never really needed to explain it to me. I guess I just trust what you're doing a lot. And, like, even if I don't believe you, like, so what? We're pretty different people as it is anyway. So it's just kind of like it's not weird for us to be different, I guess. So, like, for you to do that and me not to be, like, fully understanding, it doesn't mean I can't, like, uh, respect it, I guess. Yeah, I feel like we have we have differences, but the, the key thing is that we respect and we're always curious about each other, even if it's not, you know, yeah. Yeah, so what advice would I give to someone 
trying to explain it to their partner and this someone is the person who's experiencing the discomfort or the issue of whatever it may be. Um, I guess just maybe like you got to really, the foundations are right. Yeah, you've got to be honest. Like you got to know, you got to tell them I'm experiencing X, Y, and Z. Like, because I didn't know you were having facial pain. Took, or, took ages. Or neck pain or what, like all the things that you were having. You know what it was? It was that there was one day at university where I just like exploded at you. I had the biggest, you, I don't know if you remember. I was so mad at you and I just like stormed off from you and then like didn't, it was awful. It was the probably one of the worst interactions you've ever had. And it was after that that I told you kind of why. I don't know if you remember that. Kind of. But like again, water up a duck's back for those things. Mm. Like it happened and it was whatever. And I guess I've already de- I dealt with it at that time, perhaps. Or at least that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> um, you thought you thought it was being young, and you know we were we were young. You know we we were at the time you thought it was because I had my period. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, pop culture explanation. Um, what would I tell someone advice to tell their partner? I just lay the foundation. You've got to tell them like the things that you're experiencing. They've got to be fully aware of like the problems you're experiencing and stuff. And I guess if you think you know why you're experiencing these things, then you don't have to say at the same time, but like separately you can be like, I've got a lot of trauma from X, Y, and Z, childhood, whatever it may be, like that's happened. And I've got a lot of things to work through um so you gotta like it doesn't have to be all at once but you've you know you've you've set up this is my chronic problem physically this is my mental health problem you know that i that i haven't dealt with but i want to work on or you might not even know but you're like i i need to work on whatever it is like that's eating me up there are two there are two different types of tms TMS, so the ones that are really difficult, the ones that stick around are the ones that are rooted in trauma. And then there's the TMS, which is purely just exists because of your fear of the symptom itself. And those ones are usually quite quick to eliminate. So if we're at the point where we're telling our partner, we, pr- we probably are in that um, trauma. Trauma. Yeah. trauma like the, the quick ones, like me and my knee pain moving house. Whereas if you had a developed fear of that symptom, then that could have persisted and become yeah. chronic, but yours would have been rooted in fear of the symptom. And that's what's keeping your nervous system in fight or flight rather yeah. than. But do a surgery on it, it'll go away. And they're like, oh, yeah, great. I feel better now. Yeah. Um, yeah anyway, um, I reckon just separating those two things, like to start with, just be really clear on what you're actually experiencing. Cause like no one can read your mind. You need to tell them. Um, the next thing is, you can probably give them books to read, right? Like there's some people that can probably say things more, a lot more eloquently than I can try and explain because I don't know it very well at all. I, I'm like it's tip yeah, of the iceberg. Book to read is a good one. I wouldn't have thought about that a lot. Uh, so like there's a lot. I, you got to ask Felicia for recommendations. She's got a whole library of these books and she knows which ones are the best. Um, but at least to put someone in that, like just to start their mind activated in the right frame of mind to kind of accept like accepting this kind of information and then one like you know they've read the book you've talked about what your chronic physical problems are and then like 
perhaps like if you know or you don't know like what your mental goals mental health goals are like you know you separated those two and then eventually like it, it will be just like a natural thing to come together and it's like almost like a bit of a eureka moment but like it'll be like oh you know these two things come together like the book to read is like seals it but then what the way I'm talking about is it's slow. It's it's a process and it's a journey. And it's the same as like probably the work to um, work through the mind body space. Is it it's slow and it's a journey. So it's not just like I've got a mind body that you don't go. I've got a mind body disorder. Like it's because of my my mind and my emotions and all these things. And that's why I've got neck pain. They're not going to respond properly to you if they don't believe it. Let's say, by the sounds of it, you're describing a similar journey to what I guess we the the, no, the patient goes through. Mm. So me myself, I had to read the book, and I had to. It was slow. It was a process. So I guess we have to be aware that for our partners, for them to kind of get on board or like, you know, because they have to change their paradigm. They're thinking of pain as a process similar process that you're describing actually to what I went through myself yeah and this I guess it's the same what I said uh, earlier about how I approach it with the patients I see that I feel almost a certainty that their problem is mind body based I will kind of suggest to them like to work on a particular thing in their life and I don't link the two things together necessarily all the time unless it's unless I, you know, you got to judge it if if they're on board with it or not. But like, you just suggest to them or like point them in the right direction, and then it's up to them to do the next step. But like, as a partner, I guess you have that ability to point them in the right direction, and if they trust you and care about you and stuff like that. Then you know, then they can get on board with it. And if it's as debilitating as it was for Felicia, like it's it shouldn't be too hard to like, you know just to take on that little bit of information and then I actually think the more debilitating it is though the harder it can be to accept a mind body thing I was this is what I was gonna say earlier actually because when you're saying like a part of you might hang on to it like the identity I actually think a part of you also hangs on to it because this was for me at least it was like 15 years of my life I wasted in the medical system all that money all those treatments all those diseases and it just feels like I lost so much time when, like, this was the answer. Like, really, I could have done this all that time. So then it makes you feel like you have wasted, you know what I mean? So then you're resistant to this being the answer because it's like all, so it's like I think the worse it is, the longer it drags on for, the more you build up that kind of resistance too. So you can regress a bit too. But, like, you build up all these pathways, like, you have to break them. That's hard work. Yeah. Like, if, if it's chronic, like, it's been around for a while, and to change that takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah, but I was like, if when I was 12, someone had to just, like, assess my emotional state, being like, oh, you're not feeling any emotions, you're dissociated, then we need to get you in therapy. And then it was like, well, I could have avoided 15 years of, like, you know. That's such a high-order thinking, though, like, because it's so abstract, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and the way we think in our minds, each one of us is different. Yeah, we have words to describe things, but, like, you know, it's like the concept of the garden path. If I don't, if I don't speak super clear that there's no other way to interpret what I'm saying, the, what I'm saying to you is going to be completely 
like interpreted differently to what I may have meant it as. Yeah, when I was 12, there's no way I could have identified that I wasn't feeling my emotions and whatever. But like and even, even for someone to do that, like with the time that you're going to spend with someone to assess you, it's almost impossible. I could do that. <laughs> now that I know all about TMS, I could. You could, but then yeah. that person has to get to you. Yeah, that's right. For that to happen. Well, How are they going to get to you? Like it, it's if it's not like a normalised thing. It's it's just it's just a journey. It's a journey, and you'll get there in the end, and you'll feel better for it. It's just like, yeah. Okay, so what what were if you remember any of the sort of major challenges for you? You sort of spoke about therapy, and I would come home and just be like a total wreck. That wasn't a challenge. Yeah, that was, you know, that was that was fine. Like you came home, like you didn't. You weren't afraid of those emotions, so like you can be a total wreck. But like that's that was fine because you were safe in that. Mm-hmm. Like you were upset and stuff, and you cried, and you know after you had that and that moment of upsetness, like it didn't last forever, did it? Like so, it was that was fine. So I, that didn't matter, mm-hmm. or that didn't worry me, or anything like that. It was just like it was. That's a contrast to you feeling low and suicidal um like because of the chronic pain you're in it was a complete contrast to come home from therapy feeling um sad and upset and emotional like you can look at those two people and they're two completely different people um yeah that leads me into the next question i guess what changes do you see in our relationship and you know what's it like now and compared to what it was like before what I guess tell people what's possible if they do this work uh, just more trust better communication better teamwork ability uh, more fulfilling like my life is more fulfilling now than it probably has been and um only because like we work together better like you know otherwise you know we do the things and stuff like all the standard stuff like you whatever the enjoyment is whether it's a holiday or just eating at nice places or um, doing nice things like you know you can go through those motions but like when you're both kind of like on the same page and you don't have this kind of weight this invisible weight weighing one of you down then it's kind of like you can, you can it just both feel much more comfortable. But if one person's feeling the pain and it's based on the trauma that they haven't dealt with, then that creeps in with like in the unconscious way in a lot of things. In like it's the actions and stuff like that. So not having that is. I guess for me like I feel quite free but I also feel like I've got someone that I can trust more um someone that I can rely on more um and someone that is can't think of the words but just just a partner in all of this going through it on my end I feel the same that like 
a partner and all this, I think, and that's like, as you're saying, there's an invisible weight that I was always carrying. First, it was the physical pain, and you've described how that would make me grumpy and moody and just difficult to be around sometimes. But then it was also under that, all of the sort of unconscious, maladaptive beliefs that I had about the world and about myself and about, you know, I used to believe this was not a belief I knew I was carrying, but it was something that had been ingrained in me from being a young child that I was rotten, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't, you know, so then I used to project that onto Yuri and I used to always be waiting for him to decide I'm rotten and I'm not good enough and I would wait for him to leave me. <laughs> That's what I was doing unconsciously. So then I would start fights because it would be like, well, if I started, I'm in control. I wasn't doing that consciously. I Like it was just this like defense mechanism I had because of what I believed about things yeah. unconsciously. Yeah, all that's falling away. And way better for it. All of that doesn't exist. All of that sabotage, self-sabotage that you would do probably to yourself, yeah. like that you've just described. So that's what it was. That doesn't exist. Um, it's it's hard to put into words. It's kind of like an experience, and you'll know if you if you're there, or if you get if you get there, like if, like you know you got your partner or like whatever the context is, like you'll you'll know. You'll know for yourself, and maybe you'll have a way to describe it that makes a lot more sense. But it's um, it's normal, and it's better. Yeah. I think, as I said, you have probably one of the healthiest nervous systems. Like you have a healthy sense of self. You know, and I think I chose you on purpose for that reason. There was a part of me that knew when we first met. You knew that you were going to be my little rock, little anchor, <laughs> my little sense of like, you want to get spiritual? <laughs> yeah, it all, all makes sense that way. It was a part of me that knew what I needed. All right, so what advice would you give to anyone who's supporting someone experiencing chronic pain or working through trauma or their mental health issues. So what advice would you give your partners out there? Just be open to things, right? Like just be open to whatever. Like, you know what, you want to try particular intervention, like, you know, be open to trying it, but like also consider the alternatives, consider the pros and cons to it first. So same as like it was softly, softly for like the person experiencing the pain, talking to the person who is their partner, supporting them. Like how do you broach that? It's the same way the other way around. I guess it's just softly, softly. <laughs> um, you know, they'll they'll find their own way themselves. And you know, just get excited about. Like, you know, you found this information or I've read this book and like highlight what was important about it in it or like I've heard this podcast about condition X and it like really talks about 
like the mind body stuff which is like important i think we, we should listen to it together or something or um just i don't know just be around and there and whatever and just be open to whatever it might be like you know it might be journaling or it might be meditation or or it might be like intense like counseling or um just like given the space that they need to do their own thing to figure it out but also be available to help them figure it out as well it's good advice <laughs> maybe lovely and supportive it, and it illustrates how lovely and supportive you have been so um what about what are some ways that you supported and cared for yourself along the way i don't know like i said it didn't really affect me too much it wasn't me experiencing the pain and stuff mm. so it was just like you know i felt okay so i could just go with you to the appointment or whatever that you needed to go to and i don't know I, like it affected me obviously a bit but like i don't think it affected me so much that i did anything extra or different i can't i can't recall doing anything specifically for myself to support myself i guess i just i just give you the space i needed and just like i'd just do my own thing if i needed to perhaps rather than um just sit in that space all the time it's like you can't sit in that space all the time can't both be broken uh, there were certainly times when we were very miserable i think <laughs> certainly throughout on the way yeah but that's like that's okay it's a, it's a bit of a roller coaster, perhaps. So. And then, is there any advice you would give? So, is there anything you wish I had known? Any advice you would have given to me regarding you? So, like, what advice would you give the person experiencing pain in relation to their partner? Just think about where you're directing your anger, and like, and why. Like, you're probably not angry at the person. <laughs> that is your partner most of the time it's probably because of another reason and it could be because of the pain you're in you could be really angry at the pain you're in or or whatever else so you know direct it where it needs to go i think that advice is so good and i think that's one of the things i'm i've gotten pretty good at actually which has made a massive improvement wasn't that long ago i got really upset about something and I was going to come home and yell at Yuri and I stopped myself on my way home and I was like, I'm not actually, what am I actually mad at? Am I mad at Yuri? No, I'm not mad at Yuri. It's not a problem here. I'm mad at something else. And then I was able to come home and tell Yuri what I was mad at and he was able to support me and cuddle me. And yeah. do you know what I mean? So then we didn't have the fight. It was support against what I was that's upset it, at. That's actually exactly right. So let's take that one step further. If you direct your anger where it needs to go and then you just lean into your partner for support about what you're angry about rather than being angry at your partner because you're angry but you don't know what you're angry at because you haven't figured it out. Well, if you actually do figure it out and you direct it appropriately, your partner can support you. But I can tell you right now, if you direct unjust anger towards <laughs> me 
I will not support anything that's going on and I'll I will walk away and and like need my own space and be away from it all because there's no way in hell I'm helping you with anything if you're directing unjust anger towards me. So you can if you're if you're like um working with your partner, you like the quickest change to that is like I will I will help you like work through it and you'll feel way better for it but then once that anger like is directed at me unjustly you're not getting any support from me like i can't help it and some people might be able to like while someone's getting being angry at them but like not not me like i take things pretty personally i guess and i'm just like so you got two options you can like work with your partner and you'll feel better for it or like you can take it out on them because you can't take it out on your pain or someone else you're upset with and then you won't get support from your partner most likely as i say but that is a skill to learn that's i yeah that's i said i only stopped myself from doing it just the other day it's something you have to develop that kind of self-awareness to realize when you're getting angry and then to step back and think oh stop what am i angry at and it's a skill it's actually something you need to learn because you're as comfortable he's familiar it's safe it's you know, you feel safer being angry at that. You know, that's why you hear the stories of people that come home and kick the dog. The dog's not going to leave you. The dog's comfortable and safe rather than getting angry at your boss. You don't want to lose your job, right? So it's a skill to actually stop yourself and think about what am I angry at? Does this, am I displacing my anger or am I directing it where it should go? Yeah, it is It is a skill. And that comes back to the other thing we said earlier is about distraction, like you know, you feel something, oh, distracted, I'm straight on my phone, I'm watching TikToks, I'm on Instagram, I'm on whatever, instead of being like, no, no, I'm angry right now, I need to like, I need to sit with that, I need to like work through that like, and, and then think about what is actually going on in my body. That's why meditating is so important. That gives you the space. But getting to that point of actually doing it is so hard because it kind of feels like you're wasting time in our world where everything is so busy and go, 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 and it feels almost like you're doing the wrong thing by not doing anything, but you're actually doing so much. It just doesn't feel like you're achieving anything, but you achieve so much by giving yourself the space that you need. So, yeah, it is a skill, definitely. Yeah, it's becoming self-aware. And if you're you're like me, who had zero <laughs> zero ability to connect in what what was going on in the body and lots of distraction. Well, yeah, and, you know, it like, takes time. We used to do yoga. You used to struggle. You hated the meditation at the end of yoga, and I'm like, it is one of the best parts of it. Oh man, I, I was sucking so such fight or flight that I physically couldn't lay there because it was so distressing for me to have that relaxation and I would I have to get up and, and leave. I couldn't understand it at that time I'm like I really just I was like you just need to give it a go because it is magic I just couldn't sit there long enough because my, my the whole body was just full of anxiety and adrenaline it's all the time yeah but now you can now and I now enjoy you get it that benefit. yeah yeah you now you, you can facilitate meditations because you're accredited in it and like you have and it's been great and it's um yeah, for me, I just did not get it how you couldn't do it. Like, I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like, just like lay down and don't do nothing. And like, no, you had to walk out every time. 
but I was like that person that was always jiggling my legs and jiggling my hands and so I had so much like cortisol, adrenaline, fight or flight, like constantly. I was like constantly so in that state. you in the car accident all the time. Yeah, constantly. You're always crashing your car <laughs> and, you don't, and you can't do anything about it. But a lot of us get there and we don't realise that and it becomes our normal and we don't realise that that is where we are at because it's that's our normal and it's yeah a challenge to get out of that and to identify that and that is doable. Yeah. I, if I can do it, anyone can do it because... I'm not special, <laughs> not at all. Okay, so all right, we're kind of right down there. We might loop right back. We're almost finished. Loop right back to where we started on the pregnancy. So pregnancy after TMS recovery. So it took a long, a long, long time for us to get here. First, there was the physical pain. Then there was the emotional pain. I think we're lucky. We met when we were young. And I knew from the minute we met that I was going to marry you. And I think you felt similarly, Hope I think. Um, but then there's been a lot of like, you know, it hasn't been easy. There's been road bumps, there's been, but, you know, anyway, it took a long, long time for us to get here. First it was the physical pain, then there was emotional pain under it. And then there was, then I had all these other warriors, you know, and I had issues with around mothering and motherhood and all that kind of stuff and worries about the world and the world I'm bringing a child into and then there was like the two two and a half years of infertility and you know all that kind of stuff all those like things we've had going on kind of all at once and all overlapping and it's been messy um but we got here and I think we got here exactly when we should have I think we're in probably the best place we've been in yeah um but what was what you know I know you were ready to have of family long before I was, and it must have been frustrating. So what's that that side of the journey that might be? All of that kind of, you know, when I was in pain and were you wondering whether it would ever happen I was? And when you, you know? That, having a family. Yeah. Yeah, that's like part of my identity, right? Like that's like something I've always wanted is to have a family. Like um, I like family. It's comforting, but it's not comforting for everyone. But for me, it is a lot. And that's like, it's felt so important for me to have or to build upon what I've got with family and have my own family. So yeah, it was like really frustrating at times, I guess. But I, I kind of come to terms with it because it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. And you were like, yes and no, and yes and no, and yes and no for so long with it. Um, like about having kids um so I was just like whatever like it is what it is but I but I still would have held on to that like I really want a family even if it ended up the decision was like no um but I'm really glad we're at a point where we are building our family more um so I don't know I kind of like it ended up where it needed to end up um, with all of that. Do you think it would have been different prior to the TMS work? So not just for me, but also for you? If you hadn't done your TMS work. Yeah, because you imagine me being pregnant and, like, how I was in that state, what would oh, the pregnancy be It would have been, been a lot harder. Like, I guess, it, like, you know, there's no cliches of pregnancy here. Like, you haven't gotten the crankiness or anything like that. In fact, you, like, your hormones are making you giggle at everything. 
Um, like, so, you know, you had the morning sickness and other things like that, but like you hadn't really had that irritable, like nasty pregnant woman, like kind of like um, cliche that you hear about all the time. So that is different. If you were in TMS, I reckon it would probably be closer to an 11 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I would have been. Um, I would have struggled so much. Because, like, you know, you've got things going on in your body that are uncomfortable and the changes and stuff like that. But, like, you've learned to be okay with them because they're normal, natural things. Uh, as I think I said to you the other day, sometimes some of the baby's movements feel like anxiety in the belly. And it's like if I was in that disconnected state, like it would have been so distressing for me. Yeah, you would have like the just, anxiety would be just added to what you already yeah. had. Um, so that would have been a lot. So, yeah, that I think definitely would have been different. We would have persevered through it if you were, but like, um, yeah, it, it would not be as pleasant as it is now. I wouldn't be as relaxed myself. If you hadn't done the TMS work before being pregnant mm. or before falling pregnant, rather. What about um, in terms of yourself and what you've learned about minds and bodies and emotions? And like, have you taken any of that on board in terms of like regulating yourself and thinking about the future and children? And I, I'll start with a story. I had a mental health patient that I took to the hospital for, I don't know, I don't even. I think I didn't think they needed to go, but anyway, it was decided that they should go to hospital or they agreed to it or something. I can't remember exactly. And I stood there next to them and I was shaking my leg up and down against the wall and he looked at me and he said, um, oh, what did he say? You're anxious or, or something like that. Or like, you know, and I didn't feel anxious at the time, but I know like I had a, I like a lot going on at work at that time. And, it was just, I was just tired and exhausted and no breaks and not finishing on time and just like constantly having a trainee to train and like um, just having all these things going on. And I was a little bit, I guess, stressed out at the time and he picked up on that. And um, and then um, so, uh, yeah, like I guess the, like for me and what, What's this whole journey been like? Is that pretty much the question? It's um, is that I can kind of nip things in the bud a little bit for myself and hopefully not get to a point where I really need to put in all the work that you've put in on yourself so that I can keep on top of it and I can feel what I need to feel and and hopefully not take away any trauma with me and just identify what's going on. And I have done with like, I know my knee's been sore and that was because we were moving house or I got a bit of pain in my lower back. It's not because I heard it or anything like that. It's because literally I just, there's a bit much going on at work. Um, but I totally feel safe in that. I, then I go for a run or then I like go for a bike ride and it didn't actually hurt once while I was doing those activities so like it's like is, is it is it because my back's got a physical problem no it's because like I've just got a lot going on mm -hmm. 
Um, I think the biggest one is meditation and something I want to do more of and it's just so hard for me to do. So for November, it was like trying to do 20 minutes a day. It's like, that was way too hard. That was way too much. I think five minutes, even that is going to be magic if I do that every day. Um, but you got to set those small achievable goals. Um, yeah, just trying to keep on top of it. And even knowing all this stuff is still so hard and I still would rather just get distracted, like get my phone out or watch something on telly or play a video game or do something. Um, but then like, I've also got these activities where like, if I go for a run or if I go for a bike ride, I got nothing else to do other than think about stuff. So I can think about it. Like I thoughts come and go all the time. So I've got like an hour or whatever it is that it is that I'm running or riding for. And I think about these things and it's, that's helpful as well. Um, and it doesn't make you feel like you're wasting, like wasting time by just, laying down or sitting and meditating either. So I don't know. I think this whole journey has just made me more okay with my own body and thinking like that these little things that are happening that I'm safe and that it's not a problem unless I've actually hurt myself. Mm, it would be really nice that we can avoid you being like a 40-year-old man with back pain because of the stresses of life which is what happens to so many men with age middle age that would be good i guess mm-hmm. and they have children and jobs and all those things that stress you out yeah life in general is very stressful isn't it like so like all the extra stuff like people carrying trauma with them from their past or whatever it may be like that's a lot on top of this like the everyday life stress like no one needs to carry all that they need need to lose that baggage so you can deal with like the everyday stress and all the new stress that's going to come up in a good way what are you most looking forward to what am i most looking forward to in what way parenting the future oh i'm just looking forward to having my own family i guess I look forward to taking these lessons into parenting, all of this TMS, my body, self-regulation, the oh, nervous yeah. system. I guess, well, everyone's going to know by the time this podcast comes out, right? So like our little boy. Yeah, everyone will know. Um, which is, <laughs> it's a secret now, but like our little boy is, you know, is going to be allowed to feel and experience things and be supported in whatever they're feeling and experiencing, I guess, it's going to be hard, don't get me wrong, but I guess, like, yeah, it's just going to be emotionally supported through whatever they're feeling and experiencing and dealing with and being able to work through things as they need to and giving them the skills that he needs to deal with it and deal with it in a healthy way, a way that, is accepted by society and is, a, and is also um, just going to like prevent like a buildup of emotional dysregulation mm. of all things. So that's what I'm most looking forward to is that like, you know, we've kind of like, we've got the definitions, like we talked about earlier, we've got the definitions for this. We've got the, like the wording and the understanding so we can kind of like hang on to it a bit. And then when, now that we've got it, we can mold it and like, and change it 
in, in a way and make it work for us rather than having this thing that just happens and not knowing how to control it. This mind-body space I'm talking about, like being the death, what, what, what we're defined. So that's exciting because it's like it just gives him a head start in being able to deal with things appropriately and in the right way and hopefully not use things as just a distraction but actually just deal with things that need to be dealt with and felt. Yeah, to be fully human, I think. Because when you cut off your emotions and those parts of yourself and your intuition and your all those sorts of things, you really do cut off a large part of what it means to be human. What did people do when they didn't have language? They just did what they felt. Someone made them angry, they'd club them with their like club in the cave. Well, that's um one of the theories. We should wrap this up because we're getting quite in there. But that's one of the theories around why these human symptoms happen and why your brain can perceive emotions as being so dangerous because we evolved in clans. So um, emotions and anger and things like that could get you kicked out of the clan, which would end up in you dying. So emotions were, like, dangerous to your brain. You know what I mean? That's one of the theories. I'm, I don't subscribe to that theory so much. I have alternate um, perspectives on it, but it is um, certainly a contributor. It's definitely something to think about. I think a lot of it's more developmental and more around like attachment and you know when you're angry your parents just say things like you know I'm not going to hug you and it's like when you anyway whatever we'll leave it for another I'll leave that for another time I have a lot of theories on that <laughs> psychological theories yeah but touch on it a little bit because you've already mentioned it you kind of does not process. well I was going to say well when we're when we are babies and children attachment is necessary for our survival we depend on our parents to feed us clothe us all that kind of stuff is we are 100% dependent on other people. So, you know, love, attachment, all that sort of stuff is necessary. But we live in a society where when you get angry, you express anger, then those things are withdrawn from you. So that is when anger becomes seen as really dangerous to your brain because the things you need for survival get taken away from you. You know, when your parents will send you to your room and isolate you, or those kind of the standard parenting techniques, or when they say, I'm not going to hug you if you're behaving like that. You know, so you're having your, your love and your attachment and you're withdrawn. So then you learn that anger means I can't have my needs met. So I can't be angry if I want to survive, you know? So I, I think it's more rooted in that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hmm. All right, that, I think I wrapped it up. Anything you want to say, closing? No, I think there's a lot to say. We got sidetracked so many times and I didn't really know what to say, but I don't know. You say one thing and it like triggers a thing, a memory in me or something. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of relevant, but not. And then just go down that path, a rabbit hole. And there's like so many rabbit holes. And um, yeah, there's always so much to say. And I think I said a lot of, whole lot of nothing because I don't really try and talk in too much detail because I don't want to give away like, you know, identity of anyone or whatever, or like, I don't know, alienate anyone either, like by saying, oh, it's like, you know, it's because you've got migraines. I don't want to alienate anyone either. Like, so I talk about it's symptom X, but hopefully kind of makes sense of what I've talked about. I don't really talk very clearly most of the time. So good luck. No, I think there's a lot of gems in there. <clears throat> All right. My, my problem is I could talk about this for hours, so sometimes it does go on for hours. All right. Thank you, Yuri. It's been us. I've had a splendid time. Mm-hmm.